everyone. Welcome to Spoiler Alert, a weekly talk radio show for movie lovers. As always, please beware of spoilers. Otherwise, may fi- you may find out that Crazy Rich Asians was very successful at the box office. <laughs> That's right. This week, we're going to look back at a whirlwind year of film in 2018. I'm your host, Sean Dunham, and with me is my wonderful associate and friend, Sonia Stanger. Hello. Um, Jeremy is still on assignment this week, being terribly sick. But in his place, we have a real treat for you guys. Our guest is the curator of moving image and performance for the Dunlop Art Gallery, Blair Fornwald. Hi. Whoop, whoop. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us so short notice. Ooh. Um, well, you guys, a lot of films have come out this year. They have. What what have we enjoyed? <laughs> Should I just <laughs> just start now and then Honestly, basically. Um or I could ask some more pointed, how about like what films were very hyped up this year that maybe did not live up to it or did your choice <laughs> it's really, ladies these are really springboards i like it um well one that was very hyped up this year that i did enjoy immensely was black panther yes i feel like we can't not talk about that movie when oh, we're no, talking about films sure. of the year um yeah i mean there's a lot that's been said about that film but I know we did do we did speak about it a lot on the one episode we did. But, We've spoken about it, but Black Panther was like yeah it was it was everywhere and I as all the like Marvel movies I'm just like yeah I get it, but it was still like it went like above and beyond a Marvel movie and it was really funny and like beautiful and it was so enjoyable. Yeah, it was great. Did you did you see Black Panther? I did not see Black Panther. <laughs> oh, a shame, a shame. No, but Blair, like, if we did a list of the films that Blair has seen that we have not seen, oh, uh, it's we, would we would drown. <laughs> I mean, I we would drown. We would drown in your films. Yeah, I went to TIFF this year, so I saw a lot of films, but Black Panther was not one Black Panther did not play at TIFF? No, it didn't play at TIFF. <laughs> it, it opened before TIFF. Oh, um, that's I, probably I've heard then. the hype, I believe the hype, but I haven't really entered into the Marvel universe in any real way, so I was like, maybe it's a good entry point, right? Oh, it, it is, It's like sure. really good. Although, honestly, once you start with with Marvel, you just like don't go back. <laughs> is that true? It is. I Christy tricked me into seeing the 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 Thor Aquaman? movie, oh. and then all of a sudden I was watching every Avengers. I, I could see them all. Oh jeez! Mm. I mean, I it would really like change my relationship to like going to the movies in the summertime. Yeah, exactly. Like, it would give it would open up like a lot of doors for for other viewing possibilities. Yeah, that's the the thing is the summer is only for Marvel movies at this point. Yeah. Um, although there is a and Lego like, Marvel Lego Marvel movies too, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And there is like that little Spider-Man cartoon that came out. Oh yeah, which looks also amazing and bizarre. I kind of want to see it. Oh, for sure. But what about you, Sean? What what was hyped? Um, I also was going to talk about uh, yeah, Black Panther. Um, what else was I going to say? Um. Oh, A Star is Born, obviously. The hype yeah. was insanity. Did it live up, is my question. No, I think. How could it? Yeah, yeah it really could I agree. Did you see it, Blair? I did see it. What were your thoughts? My feelings were mixed. It mm-hmm. was definitely such a movie, like, if yeah. that makes sense. I was just like, well, this is, like, really kind of, like... It's kind of hitting all of those notes. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, literally, too. But ultimately, <laughs> ultimately, I felt like I didn't... 
I wasn't really invested in their romance. I thought he was such a jerk. Yeah. Yeah, he was. You know, that I just, I couldn't get into that fantasy, maybe because, like, Ellie and I are very different kind of ladies. Oh, yeah. Well, (laughs) in that she's sort of not a full human. Right. So So hard to be. So, like, during that scene where um, he's performing and he's flown her out and it's, like, very romantic grand gesture and she's waiting in the wings and he's like, ladies and gentlemen, Allie. And she's like, oh, I'm so touched. And she goes out and she sings. Like, I would have been. That is so manipulative. I agree that that part was nuts. And what if she went out there and just bombed, which is totally easy because they've never practiced the song before and she made it up in a parking lot drunk. Yeah, like, I, I can't I can't do karaoke, so I would be, like, really, but I guess I'm very different than Lady Gaga, and that's okay. But yes. I think, I think like, just the way that the two main protagonists were, uh, were characterized, I just couldn't really get into it. But yeah. Like, there were some bobs. It was good. It was fun. Um, yeah, I think yeah. The, that it was such an event was, like, it was so fun that... Um, the internet was like loving it. The trailer was like one of my, was one of the biggest events of the year. <laughs> that trailer was insane. Um, and the trailer was better than the movie. Uh, and that song is probably going to take home, at least be nominated for an Oscar, probably win it. I honestly still listen to that song probably a couple times a week. It's great. Ali King <laughs> wants to do it for karaoke all the time. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Including that extreme vocal run. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay, what about um, what about some diversity in films this year? How do, we, how do we feel that films this year have stacked up? Well, <clears throat> when I was amassing my list for us to talk about, I was like, at first, talking to myself about how there were so many great women involved in the things that I had seen and I was like oh this is so great and then I realized that with the exception of two Netflix films which I will talk about all of the films on my list were directed by men oh. and I was like uh oh <laughs> that's not what I thought was going to happen um, so that kind of surprised me because I think there's a lot of like we saw a lot of great representation this year you know we saw a film like Black Panther or Crazy Rich Asians make so much money which means that more of these movies will get made but then at the same time all men on my list yeah so sometimes you get a real a real sneaky lack of diversity yeah yeah i also there's a few that i haven't seen like black Klansmen looks mm-hmm. really intense and um and i don't know if i'm quite ready for it or like an in the yeah. right mind space to watch um, also, uh, I haven't seen Sorry to Bother You either, but yeah. also people say that that is uh, a real trip and also really great. Yeah, a lot of the films that I think will end up being some of my favorite films from this year, I, or from last year, I guess I should say, um, I haven't seen yet. So also, um, If Beale Street Could Talk, which is Barry Jenkins' new mm-hmm. picture, mm-hmm. Um, I still haven't seen that one either. So, Did you see Widows? Oh, I haven't seen Widows. Also directed by a man, <laughs> but um, um, I didn't. I didn't. Steve McQueen. I didn't know how I from the trailer. It felt like just sort of a um, another like uh, caper sort a, of thing. A caper. It's a very satisfying heist film. Yeah, it is 
like a good Hollywood popcorn film, but like entertaining, um, an all female lead, like mm. a all black female lead. Yeah. And I think it was like it was an important film. Um Steve McQueen's definitely made some like challenging films and this is like maybe not one of them. Mm-hmm. But I think I don't know. I was also reading like a variety article today and actually twenty eighteen like was a real banner year for for theaters. Like, there was so much mm. talk of, like, people aren't going to the movies anymore. Right. Everybody's just staying home and sc- screening Netflix. But, like, box office revenues were, like, they reached an all-time high this oh, year. Oh, that's yeah. they, very exciting. Yeah, and uh, one of the reasons that they cited um, was that finally Hollywood is getting around to making films with, like, people of color <laughs> and uh, women's stories. What a concept, eh? Yeah, yeah, that, that like... Of course, there's an audience um, mm-hmm. for stories about, like, all but that one type of person. Right. Yeah. Ooh, maybe I should check out Widows. Yeah, what a, I think it's a totally fun watch. Yeah. I do like a fun heist. Um, I like a heist. <laughs> I like a heist. What else do we think is going to pop up when we're talking about the Oscars? Is it going to be Marwin? <laughs> Oh my. What do we do? What do oh, we do with the Marwin? Frank, well, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I talked to friend of the show James Brathridge, yeah. who many people know is my <laughs> film go-to many yeah. times, um, and he mentioned that there was more. It had more to do with weird sex stuff than he was expecting. Oh. Um, it's like all sexy dolls. <laughs> well, I, I didn't presumed think, that there'd be, sex. but see, I didn't think that it was, and that just that's on me. That's <laughs> my super clean brain. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I was like, mm, there's, but I still kind of want to see it just to know. Just to see what, what's up. But I think in the comfort of my home where I can turn it off if I have to. Yeah. It's kind of like a magic realist biopic though, right? Yeah. Like there was a documentary about the guy who made Marwin Call like some years back and it was a very like plain kind of like PBS style documentary. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, but they kind of go through his little like world of dolls that he's created and, and, uh, it unfolds that he's got some some PTSD and like mm-hmm. it's it's an it's a it's a very interesting biopic like or documentary but like not a whole lot to look at right so then when I saw the trailer I was like no this is like a real guy yeah and like sort of a magic realist fantasy take on like a real person who exists right and who's like, expressing trauma in a certain I, way exactly it yeah. kind of like miffed me you know mm-hmm. i went through so many up and downs during that trailer <laughs> yeah, where i was way. like wait a minute oh. <laughs> <laughs> wait it's a darn like, minute it's also like one of those trailers that like you go oh my gosh i'm totally exhausted i feel like i saw the whole movie yeah yeah like wow yeah there was a trailer that um that opened for the favorite that i saw this week where I forget what it was called. It was like a scars guard is like staying with a woman for some reason, and then it, the whole trailer was just like them like meeting, them being turned off, then them being turned on, then like having sex. And I was like, wait, this is the whole movie. We saw the favorite together. Yeah, and you... I don't remember this trailer. Oh. It was wild, but like the selection of trailers before the favorite. Yeah. They were bonkers. There was like a, an extremely Christian film. Yeah. Oh yes, the Christian yeah, yeah, yeah. boy being chopped under the ice, and then the power of prayer. Oh my Sam. god, that and was. And I was great. like, who is going to see this movie? And also the favorite. You're right. Like a what is sexy queer romp. Like what? Moms, maybe they maybe they thought some moms would go for the like historical they go for romance. Emma Stone. Yeah. And oh, then man. they stay the period for period piece. 
boy dead in the water. Man. But then not. But if, then alive. If you were expecting like a Power of Prayer heals all like kind of film, you would be You would be maybe, quite shocked. I know. You'd be clutching your pearls all through the favorite. Yes. Do you guys want to talk about the favorite? I think it's time. I, I think it's time. Yeah, I saw that this week with Sonia. Mm-hmm. Um, you saw it maybe a couple of days before us. Yeah, something over the over the holidays. Yeah, a matinee. It was very. Oh, nice. we also went to a matinee, Ooh, and oh, then I we, love a matinee. we had that oh. very upsetting experience where we came out and it was fully dark, and it was so jarring. It was about five thirty-two. It's yeah, it's rough, and that happens. Yeah. Oh, I think we went to the twelve forty-five. Oh, smart. That's nice. Super. Then you don't get that. Yeah. Anyway, still disconcerting <laughs> to like come out and it's like bright. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like either just, either way. Either way, it's bad. What's going on? I like to just stay in the world of the film forever, please. Um, what did you guys like about The Favorite? What? Almost everything? Yeah, I was like, what didn't I like about The Favorite? Um, so let, let maybe let's talk about Olivia Coleman because she is probably going to be nominated for Best Actress. Mm-hmm. You, I think that they'll probably get a Best Actress and a Best Supporting. Do you think both of them will get Best Supporting? Yeah, like I who's, don't know. Who because, supports who? Because they both right. they both are nominated for Golden Globes for Best Supporting, Rachel Weisz and Emma Stone, and then Olivia is nominated for Best Actress. See, I thought it was kind of Emma Stone's movie. I kind of thought so too. I didn't think that Emma Stone was very good, actually. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I thought it was more, um, yeah, Olivia Coleman, who I did not understand. Like I was telling you guys before, I had to go, I had to look at what she looks like after to be like. What am I like? What did they do? But the, when she like, there's a par- part where she slowly her health is degenerating, like through the movie, and near the end, her she has like a sort of a palsy and like she's got gout. She's got major. Oh, she's gout. got gout for days. She's oh. got the rich person disease. Yes. And there's like her her mouth is like sticking together, and like I don't know if they like glued her mouth yeah. together or something, and like <laughs> an eye is drooped, and I was like. How is this, like, prosthetics can't be doing this, can it? I don't know. <laughs> I need movie magic to explain to me. It's the magic of cinema. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I thought she, I mean, I think that she had probably the most range, like, yeah. or there was, like, a real subtlety to her performance. Which yeah. is wild when a person is basically playing a giant toddler. She was a full petulant child at some point, like, t- full tantrums. And so to be like, oh, that woman playing a giant baby gave a really nuanced performance I think is incredible yeah because then all of a sudden she was really really sad like a pained person there's a lot of humility she lost 17 children Mm -hmm. right oh my god she has to decide whether to continue the war or not she just she loves her like, bunnies. She loves cake. She but that's the thing is she has like no rubbed. idea. Like, she's just so gullible and everyone just like is in her ear and she just will go with the wind and Oof, the cake scene where she just, like, if no one tells her not to eat cake, she will just fully eat cake until she barfs. Yeah. Like, well, okay. Relatable. Should we, yeah. t- should we tell the listeners what the movie's about? Oh, I guess we know. <laughs> we just, like, got right in there. Yeah. We do that sometimes. Um, Sean loves to summarize it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I okay. love it when he does it. So. so this is about Queen Anne's reign. Uh, she has a, um, a lady in waiting. <laughs> I don't know. I'm what her title is actually but uh she's known like a handmaiden (laughs) and she's known her since childhood and she is very like um very no nonsense with her and treats her very strictly but also very 
you can tell she like is really tending to this relationship because it's helping her considerably. Mm-hmm. And then that that woman is played by Rachel Weiss. And then Rachel Weiss's cousin, Emma Stone, comes in covered in penniless. Penniless, covered in uh poopy mud. mud. Yeah. And uh, starts at the bottom in the as a scullery maid, and then just eventually like. Oh, she started at the top, and then she fell to the bottom. Right, right. she's right. a disgraced Here. noble. She's a disgraced noble. Full setup for a Jane Austen novel. And then she <sighs> comes in, and she just starts manipulating her way to get closer to the queen. Mm-hmm. And then you find out that there's um, a bit of a lesbian triangle between the three of them. A bit. A full <laughs> a, a full triangle. A <laughs> and a cute one. Yes. Oh, it's a cute. It's <laughs> a cute. It's not always cute. It's up to but it, is, it is acute. <laughs> <laughs> and um and then they basically Rachel Weiss is like a hammer wielding her power and uh and Abigail, played by um, Emma Stone, is a, more, a little more sneaky. Mm. And it's just a, a battle of wits, kind of. But I thought it was so... Oh, it was so refreshing to watch because a lot of it, I think in the context of... Okay, sorry. Reformulating that thought. Mm-hmm. I got so carried away getting excited about it. Um, a lot of the moments reminded me of things we've seen in... Um, period pieces before where a woman who needs something from a person in power is using her feminine wiles to manipulate that person and there were so many moments where it was like oh queen anne is just fully gender flipped the version of a king Mm -hmm. like there were just all these moments but then the complication of the power dynamics when that person is not a man and when it's two women made it so much more interesting Mm -hmm. because it's not just this dynamic of less powerful woman uses sex to manipulate like infinitely powerful man it eliminates that one power imbalance and makes it so much more i don't know i just found it very like very nuanced and interesting and all of the men in the film they're kind of twits aren't they like they're They're and they're, they're a bit useless. Look ridiculous. Yeah, and they're kind of like sort of uh, poorly, like poorly ru- applied, poorly rouged. rouged. Yeah, they're yes. poorly rouged and, and deckled, as Sonia said once too. Yes, they, they all had like little facial deckles. Yeah. yeah, I mean, as was the style, it, but like, right. but like they just all seem like very. I don't know, for lack of a better word, like kind of emasculated. You're no, just like, absolutely. Oh, okay, like the seat of power is not like we don't even see Rachel Vice's husband. He's off fighting the war. Yeah. Yeah, he's in it for like thirty seconds. Um and Abigail's suitor is just like a convenient ruse yeah. for her to like Yeah, get to get more of that power. Like it's really a thing. Yeah. I love Rachel Weiss, the way she is in this movie. She just like swaggers like a pirate and like mm. sometimes even dresses like a pirate Ugh. and at one point is wearing an eye patch or like a lace eye patch um and she is just like every time she came on screen i was like i have no idea what she's gonna do and she's she was the best it was so uh, the writing also yes amazing the dialogue was amazing like the way they kind of blended patterns of speech that would have been accurate to the time with like very contemporary modern patterns of speech very vulgar speech so very vulgar. Vulgar. like hilarious i there know there's like so many like sharp biting one-liners that mm-hmm. are just like, ah. 
You have the, a, a great word that you took from it that we're not allowed to repeat on the radio, but uh, you could, people can probably ask you privately. You can. <laughs> it's fun to imagine what it might be. You can, you can say what it rhymes with. It, uh, it rhymes with Blunt's truck. Right. And it's very rude. <laughs> it is very rude, but it's very and effective. And it's very, like, apt, and I'm like, oh, can I, like, work that into my, like, vocabulary? Like, yeah. I feel like people would be shocked if you did, oh, but I I know. I, but I would like you to. Yeah, it was just, it was such a salacious film. Mm -hmm. Like, it was entirely entertaining, and, and I think I was a little bit, I'm not, like, really a big fan of, like, corsets and powdered wigs mm. era, yeah. like, period film. Not usually. And I also really love um, Yorgos Lanthimos, like, from before. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I was, like, kind of wondering, like, how he's going to be doing. Like, how would he adapt kind of a, a semi-true story? Yeah. 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 And like, it's, I was doing a bit of reading. Fiction. Yeah, I was doing a bit of reading today, and it, they, they were talking about how um, he wasn't concerned, basically, whatsoever with historical accuracy. But a lot of it is still in a way very accurate yeah like, so like there's speculation about um queen anne's lesbian proclivities but right and she did have like letters with mm -hmm. um what's her name uh sarah or... sarah yeah the yeah. rachel vice the lady sarah. figure her, her yeah. first her first maid like mm -hmm. her personal assistant I don't know. well the yeah. way it works <laughs> is that like she'd be like a lesser noble mm -hmm. who would be at court to serve the queen, but is still, like, noble in her own right. Right. So I guess the two of them did, like, yeah. really write, like, quite romantic letters to one another, and... Mm. But the nature of female friendship in the 18th century... <sighs> I know, ...and the they're... language use is such that it's really fuzzy now. But also just, like, people kind of not seeing... Yeah. ...like, queer women when they don't oh, want right. to. They'll just be like, oh, they're just friends. Well, they're right. just really good friends. They're just they really good friends. Very, very close. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of cases like that from the 18th century where it's yeah. like, this is just how women talk to each other. And you're like, is it? <laughs> or are they just all bored with you? Yeah, but I think... taking up with each other. Yeah, but apparently they did have this, like, very kind mm -hmm. of romantic or romantic friendship, like, nobody really knows, um, relationship with one another through letters. And when um, Lady Marlborough, Marlborough, that's what Oh, it yeah. Mm -hmm. When Lady Marlborough didn't get her way, read the war, yeah. she did threatened to yeah. expose these letters and that's from wikipedia so you know it's true yeah so Definitely like true speculatively speculatively accurate i like it i'm i see it i also was i also kind of looked a little bit on the historical stuff even though i know that it would be definitely anachronistic a lot of it mm. but i she queen anne only ruled for seven years i know so i'm like how did all of this happen I well, guess technically the film probably would happen very quickly, but yeah. she seemed to just have wielded so much power so, like, so easily poorly. at that time, but so poorly. Yeah. Well, because she was never supposed to be queen. She was, like, third in line. Did she die? What happened? Why did she stop? Her, she died. She died. And then they had to import a German. They all died. Oh, God. It's a long time ago. Yeah. I know. <laughs> oh, yeah. They're all dead now, Sean. They're, oh, no. <laughs> I really thought she was still with us. No. Oh, can we talk about the anachronistic dance scene? I love. Dance, that's one of my favorite was, scenes. Ah, there was so just a part where they are doing like a, a, a courting sort of dance, but it is insane. Basically, it turns into voguing. It's fully 2018. Yeah, yeah. It's just these two actors being very silly and dancing for... 
I pres- I would love to see the outtakes. I feel like they danced for like oh, they must like have. an hour. <laughs> um, and also, a lot of that scene is just this camera slowly panning on Olivia Coleman's face as it just like fills the screen, oh. and you're watching her ha- just like have fun, but then become jealous and then become angry. And you just see it all happen very mm-hmm. quickly. And that's the subtlety of her performance, it was isn't it? Really, I, it was like really amazing. I liked watching them like roll down the hallway. Like, yeah, I liked watching Lady Marlborough like, like push her down fast. the ro- hall, down the hallway in her chair. Yeah, and they were having such fun. The camera work was incredible. Ugh, the sets. Yeah. The costumes, like oh, just the costumes. seriously, the I want to watch of, it again. The quality of light. Like, yeah. Yeah, that deserves a second watch, and is probably we won't hear the last of it, presumably. Oh, absolutely not. Also, um, I looked although, what's the deal oh. with the rabbits? Well, I mean? well, like she had a rabbit for she, every baby. Ugh, it's very sad. It is dark. Well, friend of the show, Eric Hill, who we also saw the movie with. Yes, his theory is that the whole thing with the rabbits is like everyone is someone's pet. We're all trapped by something, which I think is. That's a hot take. It's a good read. Um, And then who is Olivia Coleman trapped by? Her Her, her her role. Her role. Yeah. She was trapped by divine rule. Yeah. She's trapped by her 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 position and the requirements of that position. And society because she can't be open. And I think I also feel like she was really trapped by her body, too. At the end when she was like... Just, like, throwing herself around because she could, like, barely move. Her skills mm-hmm. and aptitudes might have been, be- like, better suited to a different line of work. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Than ruling England. She could have been a very excellent, like, interior decorator or... <laughs> rabbit keeper. Oh, yes. yeah. Get herself... Get in the rabbit. Animal <laughs> I really liked the scene where she and Emma Stone just, like, played with the rabbits for a while. And how she sat, just, like... Just, like, legs, like... Like a full child like a would child, sit. Yeah. It was crazy. And, and there were also just like little rabbit turds all around her room. Yeah. And that reminded me of like, I guess, Queen of England now. Like Elizabeth. She have corgi poos? She, she's got corgis and she hasn't house trained them. Oh. So apparently there's somebody whose like job is just to like pick up after the corgis and they're just like not house trained. They just like yeah. poop and pee wherever. Ugh. And I wonder if that's like you're in such a constrained role that you just like... Your id needs to go somewhere, so she's just channeled it into these, like, bad dogs that aren't trained. I and love I, this. I like this idea that maybe, like, she kind of gets a little bit of glee from, like... Watching someone yeah. clean up her puppies. And poop. just watching the puppies just, like, you know, crap with a abandon. <laughs> crap yeah. with abandon. Crap with abandon. <laughs> In the palace, you know? That's, I love it. That's great to me. This also related to... Um, another film I saw this year that I oh, loved so much. What a beautiful seg. <laughs> I know, right? Um, Colette is the film that I was thinking about when I came out of The Favorite. Oh. Um, which is, I talked about it a little bit after I was in Vancouver and saw some films at VIF. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is about a, a early 20th century writer, Gabrielle Sidonie de Colette, mm-hmm. who is, again, like a woman not doing what she's supposed to be doing and engaging in all these queer romances and similarly was like very sumptuous visually and was a really interesting story about that and i just was like oh i'm happy that these two films were in my life this year it's a really good one is that with keira knightley keira knightley and i don't know how much award buzz it's gonna get 
Yeah. I think it's now been overshadowed, unfortunately. That's too bad. I think it was like a lesser positive review kind of yeah. film. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't like technically or, you know, even artistically like groundbreaking in the same way that I feel but you were the just favorite like, was. I'm really enraptured by this story. Yeah. And this is an important story to tell. Mm-hmm. And a lot of just really like a nice queer women in screen. pants <laughs> and queer women wearing like roguish outfits. Ooh, I love them. Doing things they're not supposed roguish women. Exactly. Doing things they're not supposed to do, like write literary. Exactly. Literature. Write literature. Run countries. Lit. <laughs> Lit. Yeah, exactly. So I just wanted to squeeze that in. That was a great squeeze. Thanks. Um, we like a minute. Oh, okay. Well, I'm. I'm going to talk about just something that I've heard, um, a, a bad film of this year. Tell me. Which was, um, I'm obsessed with this, is Holmes and Watson. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. Have you heard of it? So I've it, heard of these figures. <laughs> yes, the figures Good are start. played by John C. Riley and Will Ferrell, which I just was like, presumed it would be another, like, whatever. People, pe- people see these films. Um, and it's, like, mainstream. It's, like, star-studded comedy. Um, but... Netflix did not want denied distributing it, and it had a zero percent on Rotten Tomatoes for a very long time, which is hard to do because someone is going to give an, at least a percentage. Yeah, and Netflix will they will distribute garbage. They'll distribute yeah, yeah. complete garbage. That's um, interesting because I would think that would fill a certain stoner comedy niche. Apparently, on people like people walked out constantly. Um, Rolling Stone said, it's so painfully unfunny, we're not sure it can legally be called a comedy. <laughs> and then uh, AV Film said, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley hit career lows in this abysmally unfunny film. Oh, ouch. <laughs> and it's like so well, tough that these, they are always like working together on like kind of whatever comedies that I don't really care about. But uh, And then <laughs> um, Entertainment Weekly, Weekly also says, Holmes and Watson finds this line. I, I forgot what line they were talking about. Then they're like, does a prat fall over it, stomps around it for a while, and then pees itself. Oh, <laughs> so like, not, God, that's this, scathing. This just like not a great review for it at all. But that's a harsh. That I makes know. me feel sad for them, which is a weird feeling. It is. I can't believe you're on their side. but And I think the plot is that someone's trying to blow up the Titanic. What? <laughs> and that, okay. And that Billy Zane makes a cameo. Oh no! <laughs> As of someone on the Titanic. Like someone's gonna blow it up and then it sinks. Yeah. And before it sinks. And their plan is thwarted, but the ship is still destroyed. And I think yes. it takes place like in a like nineteen hundred, like before the Titanic. And oh, it's just God. all seems to be of a disaster. I didn't uh, catch that one. <laughs> yeah, I think we can all miss it. Um, I think it's time to listen to a word from our sponsors. Uh, we'll be back faster than a ship made of vibranium, taking a look back at 2018 movies with Spoiler Alert on 91.3 CJTR, Regina Community Radio. Welcome back to Spoiler Alert with Sean Dunham, Sonia Stanger, and Blair Fornwald. Hey. Hey. Uh, we're going to be talking more films this year, but first we're going to be playing a little game lovingly called The Game. Jeremy is not here, as we have established, but what he would say <laughs> is, I tell you the title of the game, of, of the film, you tell me what you think it is, I tell you what it really is, and we all laugh and laugh forever. Um, this film is called Four Rooms. Four Rooms. Four Rooms. Okay. I think this film is about... Um, a very elaborate escape room um, that's four rooms, but you deep. think it's one when you start. <laughs> four rooms deep. 
a bit of a rushing, rushing nesting room situation. Oh, no. Um, and then I think it probably just devolves into, like, saw, sort of, but less gross. Uh, psychological thriller slash horror. Um, but then, like, a little bit targeted to, to nerds who are excited about escape rooms because there's some fun puzzles in it. And it's a group of 20-somethings, very diverse, a lot of different character, <laughs> a lot of different uh, like character archetypes, but not in ways that you would expect. Yeah. Um, and uh, they actually all escape at the end. Okay. You think some of them die, but then not they one don't. Death. Oh wow! No, that's my. It's like a PG horror show. Yeah, yeah. it's a horror a horror movie. If I made it, <laughs> no jump scares. <laughs> Blair, um, I kind of. I kind of thought that maybe it was like a, like a screwball comedy, like kind of a French style, like caper, maybe oh, in yeah. a hotel, like an old timey grand oh, yeah. hotel. Um, and maybe there's like four different characters kind of living out their lives in four rooms. And maybe there's like young lovers and there's like a la- lady of the night and there's like a, a con man. And I don't know, there's one other person. And then like maybe a mischievous bellhop kind of like gets embroiled in there. They all kind of end up entangled in the same scheme, which I haven't really like sort of sorted out that but sounds, it's like it's very silly that sounds astounding yeah i would definitely go see your movie um i thought the four rooms could be about an old-timey schoolhouse where a young school teacher is hired to teach k-3 to in a very small school where only four rooms house all 12 grades oh. and she works with three other teachers who each teach another like three grades stuffed in their room and the power dynamics become at play and Miss Jones becomes very disillusioned with education after the students, co-workers, and the environment they live in begin to wear her down. Oof, dark. I know. I, I don't suggest oh. it's very sad. It sounds bleak. Um, so Four Rooms is actually a 1995 American anthology comedy film uh, where four different directors uh, direct a, a section of it. Um, the story is set in a fictional hotel, Monsignor. Oh, I win. You do very well. Yeah, I could tell by your face. It's actually, I know. I was like, she's really on this. <laughs> I did um, not cheat. <laughs> it's in Los Angeles on New Year's Eve. Um, Ted is the bellhop and the main character uh, who like connects all the stories. Um, and his first night on the job consists of four very different encounters with various hotel guests. And honestly, all of those encounters are very similar to the ones oh, you suggested. Oh, my so. gosh. Are you sure I you haven't seen it? I swear I did not cheat. Was it buried in the back of my mind somewhere? Maybe. I don't know. That could happen. You did say it was French. So, yeah, yeah. so in that way, like, you're completely, completely wrong. Guess you didn't win. <laughs> you definitely didn't do the best I anyone's ever you, done at the game. <laughs> yeah. Guess you thought. Oops. Uh, <laughs> That game was brought to us by the RPL Film Theater. Thank you so much. You're welcome. We, yeah. we love. Where Blair may or may not work. Where we get sort to see of. the best cinema for the least amount of monies anywhere in the city. Oh, it's the best. It's the best. Okay, you guys, what else have we watched this year? Well, let's talk about the film y'all thought I was segueing yes, to. Yes, we did think you were doing a when segue I zagged to on this you. and you the missed it. film with a lot of turds on the floor. Yeah, turds. Turds. But this film is not a turd. <laughs> no, it's a shiny turd. Alfonso Cuaron's Roma. Oh. Roma. It was beautiful. So beautiful. You watched it last night. I did. Just last night. Still feeling the feels. So this is distributed through Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, which, <laughs> I'm glad they chose this instead of Watson or Holmes. <laughs> Holmes. 
Um, it is about uh, a live-in maid that works for a middle-class Mexican family in the early 70s. Um, and then basically just like a couple, like a small amount of time in their life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, Alfonso Cuaron directed, who has done like E2, Mama, Tambien, and a lot of... Uh, Children, Children of Man. The third Harry Potter film. Yes, of course. It's Famously. His most sparkling Gravity. achievement. That was Gravity. Gravity, like yeah. Entry into his canon. Yeah. He does very interesting things. And this was all in black and white. It was all in Spanish, except for when the maids speak, it's like a different dialect. It's called Mixteco. Mixteco. It's an indigenous language. Or like a an evolution of an indigenous language. Um, what did you guys think of this film? I thought it was totally stunning. Um, it was the most, I went to, uh, to TIFF, like the Toronto Film Festival this year, and it was far and away, like, the best thing that I saw there. Um, it was, like, one of the films that I saw late, and I was blown away by how, like, beautiful it was. Mm -hmm. Like, it reminded me of, like, watching, like, an Antonioni film or something. Mm -hmm. Like, it, yeah. If the black and white, like, the cinematography was gorgeous, and it just really had a luminosity that I was, like, not used to seeing in mm. contemporary films. Mm -hmm. It was stunning. It was quiet. I, um, yeah, so I was, like, I thought it was so quiet, but then all of a sudden I would be, like, but this, like, protest scene is incredibly detailed and epic. Yeah. And, like, I didn't, there were some parts that were just, like, this is actually amazingly like not quiet or like mm -hmm. not small is that kind of like i think that's like coron's gift like when he's kind of in top form like i also really loved because it was like telling this kind of very small story like an intimate story about mm -hmm. like people and mm -hmm. their relationships but then it was also like giving him a primer on like like class and race and like social yeah. up uprising and like social movements and mm -hmm in in mexico and i was like he's able to kind of tell like these really grand narratives but like through very small and significant and like intimate gestures and relationships oh yeah. it was so good it was so good and the the lead actress i forget her name i looked it up and i didn't um she was just so good she was so quiet and a lot of her scenes she just like absorbed what was happening around her like sort of silently and, and then just like reacted also very just like stoically mm -hmm. and this was her first film right like I she was so. i think she was studying to be um a teacher he like met her and she was like in teacher's college and her sister was like excited that she she should she should take this casting call wow and she's amazing she's incredible yeah. Like, talk about nuance. Yeah. And there are all these moments, like, she just has, she has these big, luminous, is a good word, brown eyes. And there are just all these moments where there's so much happening in her eyes. Mm -hmm. Like, well, there's so much happening in a scene. And then it, you see her and just, like, yeah, she's she's taking it in. And, like, it's almost like she's absorbing it for you. Mm -hmm. What's it, her name? It's uh, Yaslita um, Aparicio. Something. Yes, Lita Aperitio. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, and yeah, her, her relationship with the family that she works for mm -hmm. is was like very interesting. Very complex. Yeah, very like complex. it was a really complex look at 
the the yeah the realities of like being a domestic worker who is like part of a family but also very much working for that family and like yeah there were parts i didn't i couldn't get a read on her relationship with like the the wife the mom yeah was so because i first at first i thought that she was purposefully like you know like she'd be sitting with the family watching tv with them and then the mom would be like do you mind making the doctor tea? Like, things to sort of interrupt that she's not a part of the family. Mm-hmm. But she also would show some times that she really, really valued her. Right, like when, um... What's, her, what's the character's name, too? Um, she's so lovely. Yeah. yeah. It's... Oh. Yeah. Write notes. Take notes. <laughs> I know, we never... We don't take notes enough on this show sometimes. Yeah, you're right. Um, yeah, but like she's um, she's in she's in need of a holiday. Yes, and uh, and the family's like, come with us on this like beach vacation, and and I get the sense that like she's she's invited because she is like, she's both a cherished member of the family and also a domestic worker of the family, and, yeah. and that switches that's switches back and forth. And it's also like the family is middle class, uh, and they have three domestic employees cleo cleo like cleo and then her friend adela also work for them and then there's like a a man who also is like yeah i think probably like a gardener slash driver it is like way more common though i guess more common in mexico to like if you're middle class like absolutely Mm -hmm. you have domestic help yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely if you have a big property like you know, I, I stayed at a farm in Mexico and they were like, they have like, they had, I don't know, three or Staff. four people. Yeah, yeah, three or four people working. And actually, like, a very similar kind of relationship mm-hmm. where it was like kind of tender, but also like I felt very, I don't know, as a Canadian. Mm. And I think we don't, we don't have a, co- we don't have a context for that. Not no. especially, no. Mm. Maybe the very upper echelon might, yeah. might have a context for it, but it's but not, I feel not like common here. Even then, it's so much more removed here. Like it's those right. boundaries are a lot more concrete. Exactly. Like you might call Molly Maid or something, and mm-hmm. they come and clean your house, but yeah, they're not like a cherished. They don't like, like live with you and like yeah. raise your children. Yeah. yeah, and her relationship, Cleo's relationship with the children is like so beautiful. Yeah, so even lovely. Though- Oh, those kids annoyed me at some points. <laughs> really? Well, I was like, how about you all listen to Cleo or your mom instead of being wild? I guess it's just kids. Going but... swimming in the ocean. Oh, well. Sp- spoiler, spoiler alert, alert is I'm... the name of the game. Spoiler alert, too. Man, I, I like to Google after I go see a show. I like mm. to like read a lot about like the making of it. Yeah. And apparently, yes, Lita didn't know how to swim either. <gasps> so she was like terrified that like, was, to do that shoot. It was a dangerous scene. And they yeah. shot it in sequence. So like this is kind of... It was like the last thing she shot. Spoiler alert, the final scene. Right. Yeah. But yeah. Wow, so like that? kind of like doing this whole like epic And it's a huge, shoot. yeah, one shot sort of thing. And then at the end, you're going to you're gonna get in the ocean. Oof. It's going to be kind of scary. It's going to be really scary. I would just like to say, and this isn't any kind of smart criticism, that as soon as we saw her boyfriend doing <gasps> martial arts naked, I was like, oh, he's bad news. He's totally um, bad news. I thought that was an actually awesome scene. <laughs> it was where so good. we see good. this like, huge like sequence of him in full frontal nude, 
uh, doing martial doing arts with a shower work. curtain. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like her, it would flash to her face and she'd be sort of like, uh, like kind of abused, oh, but not also sure just how to like, react. I don't know what, how oh, to take this. I've, like, we've all been there, right? Yeah. <laughs> of just We're, like, well, like, man he might as well have been playing yeah, a song on his like, guitar yeah. for her, or like something cool, just as yeah, awkward. I guess. And, and the intensity good. with which he talks about it, how he's like, martial arts saved my life. And you're like, oh no. Yeah, because he's like, he's so silly, but he's also like aggressive and kind of freaky. Mm-hmm. And then he ends up being this really intense figure for the militia. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Ooh. And it just, I feel like a lot of things get channeled into him. I do like a film where all of the men are wrong and do bad things, well, and it brings women together. I do like a film that like doesn't celebrate toxic masculinity. Exactly, for sure. Yeah, and this film absolutely doesn't. Oh, and I think like even though um, even though all of these films are like directed by men, mm. there was like a lot of films this this season this year that like told women's stories or like gave women something to do exactly you know which i think is and sadly quite laudable yeah well and in some ways like those films being made by men gives me some hope as well because they're like women's stories deftly told and like delicately told Mm -hmm. and carefully like but i really liked um the relationship between the the wife like the mother and um cleo i like that like her the doctor leaving was part of what initiated some of that closeness Mm -hmm. like they almost became co-parents in some ways yeah which i thought was really interesting and which she was like she was like women are always alone yeah at the end when she drove home drunk i don't even know if she was drunk or just like such a bad driver it was unclear there's like so many sequences of them trying to get this huge car into this very small space (laughs) and um, and then we watch the doctor do it at the start, and then we watch um, the the lady of the house try to do it several times later. It's very difficult. But he, I like it because we first see him like with all this deference to the car, and he does it so carefully, and it's this precision thing. And then she, in her rage, just rams like, the car into wow, the space. And then doesn't she just like drive off in a yeah. like huffy like? Mm-hmm. taking care of business yeah. rage and like just go get a tiny car mm-hmm. and what? I'm just like yeah that's yeah. what you car. do what did the dog poop mean because this is where we began well I think maybe the the wife like um, associated Cleo with why her relationship was not doing well with the doctor because he always was like can you clean up this crap and then she would be like damn it why didn't you clean this poop up and like sort of I feel like she somehow blame found a way to blame uh the mess as to why their relationship wasn't working. Hmm. Because basically they have this giant dog who's very cute and is in the film a lot. Yeah. Um, but they live in this like very urban hacienda where everything is enclosed. This is for the listener, I know you both know this. Uh, seen yeah, the Sonia, film. I saw. <laughs> and so basically the dog's outdoor space, which is like open on the top. I actually thought about this a lot because I found it very interesting. I also was like, I'm really into this setup. But it had, but it was like a marble driveway, and then he sort of had like a little patch of maybe natural ground, although it wasn't even clear that there was like any grass or dirt yeah. in this Inside. area. No, mostly they. And that was their the yard. Roof. Yeah, they hang out on the roof, or there's like the little carport 
hacienda where the yeah. dog um, poops. And that's where he poops. And I was like, is this a metaphor about like them being trapped in this like urban environment in tumultuous political times? Like just that close kind of stifled feeling? Or is it just there's a lot of dogs in Mexico? Yeah, or that. There are a lot. And, and you're just like... It did seem tumultuous. You're, also, the cast... Your uh, job is never done. The no. crew got um, robbed at like, like gunpoint <gasps> during oh, the yeah. shoot. There was... Oh, dear. There was drama. Was it shot in Mexico City? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Which but is a Also, it's place. like, where did they find... Like, some of the shots, some of the sets... Like, just them going into the movie theater. Mm-hmm. I was like, this is insanity. Well, but it's still a very, like, it's a colonial-era city. Like, it still looks like that a lot, yeah. I think. The movie theater is so gorgeous. Yeah, it and, was. And a lot of it was where so they gorgeous. go to the movies, yeah. like, I think just reminds you, too, that, like, this is also a film about cinema. Mm-hmm. Yeah. About the history of cinema and the pleasures of cinema. Mm-hmm. Well, because Alfonso Cuaron would have been like eight-ish, I read online when when this film takes place. And he so cast obviously, kids that like looked like his siblings. Yeah. So obviously, this moment, like a very intense political moment in the country's history, like really imprinted on him in some ways. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting because another of the films I saw at VIF that was my favorite also reminded me of this film a bit, which was a Mexican film called Nadie Sabra Nunca which I talked about, again, in a past episode, so just go look in the back catalog. Mm. But it was about, um, it was set in Mexico in the 70s, um, but in rural Mexico, and about um, a young wife's sort of escape through cinema and um, and movies. So I was like, okay, there's something here that, like, there's this shared conversation happening. And two great fo- films I saw this year. Um, well, I, we're almost coming yeah, to we the end, actually. Um, so I think we're going to slip into a quick what you're watching. Um, I watched, I haven't seen this, but it was uh, Coco. It was a very oh. sweet like Pixar film. Cute. Um, about a Mexican family um, that they don't let their youngest son play music because a past musician hurt the family, like left the great-grandmother. Um, and he really wants to play. And so he somehow magically crosses over during the Day of the Dead to the other side and meets his ancestors, um, and they all sing songs, and I did cry. (laughs) And it's a very very cute film. Um, Also, the songwriter, Robert Lopez, has won um, an EGOT twice over, which Mm -hmm. is insanity uh, for mostly songwriting, including uh, the songs for this film. And Frozen. And Frozen. They wrote Frozen. Uh, he and his wife are songwriting. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. But just, I... Just I th- saying. I think... I've, I feel like only he specifically... Yeah, got credited. ...the two EGOTs. Yeah. But she is credited directly. I'm <laughs> just being difficult, mostly. <laughs> Blair, what you watching? What you watch? What you watching? I mean, I recently watched The Favorite. Mm-hmm. I also recently watched Mandy for, like, the second oh, time. How, how do you feel is about Mandy it? Is Mandy going to be a thing? I liked it... I liked it so much I saw it twice. Um, it's mm. a wild ride. It's a wild Nicolas Cage ride. It's pretty bonkers. This but, is what I've heard. But I liked it. I think maybe you wouldn't like it. Mm. Yeah, I, I would not maybe recommend it to somebody who doesn't like extreme gore. Yeah. It's really gross. <laughs> I heard that. Um, but I might still watch it. Yeah, and then I also watched um, I also watched a 1981 uh, Disney film called... Uh, the Watcher in the Woods. Oh. Have you seen this? Mm-mm. Sounds spooky. I guess in the early 80s, Disney decided to like sort of 
foray into making um, films for an older audience, like films that are a little bit oh. spooky. Oh. And it, it's a little spooky. It's like manageably spooky. Um, manageably spooky. Yeah, good. Betty Davis is in it. Whoa. Like, really? uh, uh, late career Betty Davis uh, plays kind of a witchy old lady who lives in a big uh, house that is probably haunted. Um, and her daughter has uh, disappeared earlier. And the family that kind of moves in and sort of inexplicably... No, they don't live with her. They live right beside her in her big house. Um, the daughter, the older daughter, is like the same age as Betty Davis's daughter was when she goes missing. Whoa. And she starts getting haunted. Freaky. Yeah. So, oh, my God. I don't know Both of us are so excited. Things get freaky. It's like beautiful. It looks kind of late 70s, even though it's early 80s. And uh, it was fun. It was a fun ride. I love it. Um, my what you watching uh, is one that I didn't get time. I we ran out of time last week before I could get to it. Mm. But it's one of the two uh, Netflix films directed by women that I alluded to earlier. Oh. So the one, the other being Dumplin', which I talked about last mm-hmm. week and still love profoundly. Um, and this one is the Kindergarten Teacher. Oh, I um, heard it's very good. Oh, it's very, very. I was good. also gonna watch this, and I was like, ooh, maybe I'm scared of it. It is scary, but not in a like big way just in a sneaky subtle way makes you feel weird kind of way yeah it makes you feel icky a bit but also just like you can't tear your eyes away so basically maggie gyllenhaal is a kindergarten teacher slash mediocre poet and (laughs) realizes that (laughs) a young boy in her in her class is um like a poetry genius a prodigy full full full-blown prodigy who will just like start pacing a kindergarten he's so cute also and he'll just start pacing and then recites like the most incredible poem um and it's basically about her like unraveling an obsession with him and uh his family doesn't really want to pursue it and she gets way too attached and it just kind of devolves from there and it's very tense and uh very well shot also and a great performance from maggie gyllenhaal maggie always delivers but i would say this is like her best that i've seen oh this was one of the films that was at tiff that i like didn't get a chance to see because there's like 200 movies. So. Yeah, and now it's on Netflix. I'm happy to hear. I can just like watch it at home. Yes. Yeah, I would like to. And it, um, her her outfits and jewelry in it are very good. Oh. Because she's like a she's like she's a like lefty. A frumpy, yeah, no, she's like a she, she's like a creative. She's a quirky poet. She's a quirky poet, kindergarten teacher. So a lot of like chunky jewelry and fun blouse skirt combinations. I got distracted a few times being like, oh, I love what she's like, wearing. She's spooky, but she looks cute. <laughs> exactly. And at first, the part of what's best is that at first you're like, this woman is the world's best kindergarten teacher. Mm. And then you're like, oh, wait, maybe it's not appropriate how much she like ruffles her children's hair. Oh. oh. It she's starts to bring great, questions. Great outfits, boundary issues. Exactly. An over ruffler. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, we're at the end of our time, you guys. I'd like to thank Saskatoon's The Garys for letting us use their song, Manituna, for our theme song. And our generous sponsor, the RPL Film Theater. Clap, clap, clap. Clap, 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 clap. Thanks to everyone at CJTR and all of you for lending us your ears. The show is broadcast live Wednesdays at 6, rebroadcast Friday mornings at 9, and is available as a podcast on CJTR website, Spotify, and Apple Play. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, so give us a follow. Thanks again so much, Blair, for joining us. Thanks for having me. And have a good night. Happy Bye. New Year. Bye. Oh, Happy New Year. Bye.